AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Livestock futures capped off a strong second half of the week with another move to the upside, while corn and wheat and even soybeans rebuilt volatility as the calendar flipped to December. Jobs data whipsawed the U.S. dollar index early today. That flipped on selling in the wheat market that was tough to switch off for the rest of the session. Live from the final lap of the week via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, our guest analyst is Brian Hoops of Midwest Market Solutions. We'll get the news from Michelle Rook. I'm producer Big Apple Joe Stackler. And now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Joe. Thank you, buddy. Big Apple Joe Stackler, producer of AgriTalk right there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, welcome to AgriTalk. Glad that you're with us this afternoon. Looking forward to the conversation with Brian Hoops. Brian may not know this yet, but, you know, I haven't talked with an analyst extensively about what's happening in the livestock markets this week. And we can't let that happen. So we're going to kick things off uh, talking about what's going on in the cattle and hog markets with Brian when we get him on here at the start of the next segment. But we're going to cover what's happening in uh, in the grain markets as well. And Brian's got some interesting observations about what is happening in in the cash market. Michelle Rook is is with us. Michelle, we talked earlier in the week about how um, when there's heavy lifting to be done in the grain market, you got to go to the cash market to get Absolutely. it done. Absolutely. Yep, and that's what Brian wants to talk about. Well, he's got some some interesting observations. Yeah, and we've there been doing it since well. 2019. Unfortunately, <laughs> that is exactly right. Exactly right. Oh, Michelle, you've been great this week. Thank you so much for sitting in for Davis. Really, really appreciate uh, uh, the conversations, and it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for being Absolutely. here. Absolutely, it's been a blast. So excellent, love it. Well, you stop by anytime you want, and. We will keep the conversations going. All right, let's jump into the news. What do you got? Well, an ugly day for both wheat and corn, but let's start off with wheat. March SRW wheat futures opened near session highs, then closed near session lows. Selling in wheat futures turned aggressive when SRW futures fell through support at Monday's low, with the contract spiking support at the August 18th low. That put March SRW at the lowest level since February 3rd, and today's close was the lowest since January 14th. Now, the U.S. dollar index shot higher following this morning's jobs data from the Labor Department and then turned back to the downside in the early afternoon trade, but that initial rally in the dollar did trigger selling in the wheat futures. In March, HRW wheat, we were 19 and a half cents lower on the day, 870 and three quarters. March SRW dropping 22 cents to 761. March spring wheat at 921 and a quarter down 16 and three quarters cents. And boy, we took out some key support areas this week. We certainly did. We certainly did. You know, we took out those lows uh, in the SRW contract back from, what was it, September or something. But here we are all the way back to the lowest level since early February. You know what was not going on in early February? 
Snow? No. We well, had snow. Russia was not in oh, Ukraine Russia. in early Russia February. Russia was not there. Yep, yep. I'm sorry. I was trying to think, where's he, where's he going with that? <laughs> there it is. And it's Friday you know, and my brain ain't working anyways. So. <laughs> we, we had basically given back all of right. the, the Russian invasion price gains in the wheat market already earlier this, this year. But here we are back at it again. Back yeah. at those lows. I see we took out, what, almost $5 a war premium? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. It is absolutely crazy. Okay, on the week, March SRW futures down 36 cents. March HRW futures down 41 and a quarter. Even with the stinky conditions out there in the plains, uh, we, we really kind of wiped out the HRW market. And then the March spring week contract today off 28 and a quarter, or this week. Off 20 and a quarter. Yeah. All right. Not a good week in the corn market either, which will give us the closes coming up for the week. But March corn futures today had an ugly day, closing below 650 long-term support for the first time since August 22nd. Support in the contract is now at the bottom of the August 23rd upside price gap at 638. Chart-based selling just gets much of the credit for today's lower prices as corn was willing to follow wheat as well to the downside. And corn's been on the defensive after it was confirmed about 200,000 metric tons of Brazilian corn was shipped to China earlier this week. And now the market is building in expectations of a lower export estimate in next Friday's supply and demand update from USDA. Remember, they didn't deal with it in November, so now we'll see if they will in December. Drought in Argentina should help to limit price pressure, but expectations of a big Brazilian corn crop will make it pretty difficult to build upside price momentum. March corn futures, 14 and a quarter since lower on the day, 646 and a quarter. July corn futures, 644 and a quarter, down nine and three quarters cents. And we said March took out long-term support yesterday. We had already closed below the 100-day, and then 650, man, that was a big line in the sand. Exactly. And that comment that you made about the export estimate from USDA not making an adjustment to the downside in November basically kind of kicked the can down the road to December. Well, when they did that, it it makes me wonder if we're not going to have to kick the can even harder when when they make that adjustment to the export estimate. Um, That I got to believe that it's coming on Friday in, in Friday's report. March corn on the week down 25 cents. July corn on the week down 20 and one quarter cents. Great. The ugliness does not get any better with soybean oil futures. <laughs> they were the dog of the week here. Solidly yes. lower for the second consecutive session. We were limit down yesterday. And then the market was digesting this potential impact of the lower than expected blending mandates for bio-based diesel from the EPA, which sent a bunch of the long speculators to the sideline. Market analysts agree that the renewable diesel market will continue to develop, but the lack of support from the RFS could be a challenge. Bean mill futures pushed higher traders offset the risk of short bean oil positions with long meal positions. That's a spread they've had on for several months now, and beans mm-hmm. decided to follow the meal to the upside. January beans posted an inside day with a high-range close to rebuild some upside momentum after yesterday's price plunge. Jan beans, uh, eight and three-quarter cents higher. We did see a technical bounce despite yep. this, uh, 1438 and a half. July beans, 1458 and a half, up a dime on the day. And on the week, we had January soybeans up two and a quarter cents and July beans up five and a half cents. Big week. Yeah. (laughs) 
Sellers piled back onto the sell side of the cotton market, and March cotton posted a high-range open and a low-range close. March cotton, 165 or 165 points lower at 83.20. Now, in the cattle market, traders continue to expect cash market to grind higher in the near term. We saw some 249, 159 tops in the north actually here today, limiting selling in futures. Feeder cattle futures posted solid gains in the second half of the week on support from lower corn. February live cattle futures were 45 cents higher, 155.87 and a half, and Jan feeders 137 and a half higher at 182.45. And Febline hog futures started Wednesday's trade at 83.72 and a half, settled today at 90.42 and a half for a six dollar seventy cent three day rally. Most of it <laughs> technically inspired. Feb hogs 122 and a half higher at 90.48 and a half. Yeah, it, it, this is how I'm important that rally was because on the week february lean hogs up just a buck 92 and a half so it was heavy pressure early in the week absolutely live cattle february live cattle futures on the week up 75 cents january feeder cattle up four dollars and 15 cents and march cotton on the week gained 302 points you said bean oil was the big mover certainly was up 9.05 percent this week to produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us. Davis is going to be back with us on Monday. Uh, looking forward to Davis getting back. Hate to see Michelle go, but I'm looking forward to getting Davis back here as well. At the end of the last segment, I said that January bean oil was up 9.05% this week. That negative, that little dash out in front of the number means down. <laughs> so, January bean oil futures this week lost 649 points. That was down 9.05% on the week. Now, we were talking about the spreading against soybean meal. Bean meal on the week was up $17.80. That's a 4.38% advance. So to be on the right side of that spread this week was the right was a great place to be. Unfortunately, I think a lot of uh, of traders were probably long oil, short meal because of the way that we got a reaction to what was called some disappointing numbers in the renewable volume obligations from the EPA. 
All right, Brian Hoops, Midwest Market Solutions. Brian, welcome back to AgriTalk, my friend. How are you? Hey, Chip. It's good to be back with you. How you been? Good, man. Good. So here's the deal. I don't know if you heard this at the start of the show, and I'm kind of springing this on you, but I haven't had much of a livestock conversation this week. I know you follow the cattle and the hog market, so if it's okay with you, I'd like to start there. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. We uh, Great. we usually don't start with livestock, but yeah, why not? Well, I want to make sure that we get it covered. Is <laughs> why <laughs> you know how it goes. We get to talking on something, we might lose, might run out of time here. Uh, so let, yeah, exactly. let's start with let's start with what's going on in the cattle market. The expectations are for the higher cash. The slaughter numbers have been big. Our weights are big. But the expectations for the cash continue to be to the upside. It, it's it's just got to be the, the the idea that the feedlot inventories are going to be tightening up, right? Yeah, you know, and, and I think we may be running into uh, a case next week where we don't see an advance in the cash or we see the packers start to pull back on some of that slaughter pace. Um, you know, we had margins this morning. Uh, calculated at about a negative $50 a head, roughly. And so every animal that the Packers killing, they're losing that much money. Um, and at some point, I think they, they do cut these kills to try and reclaim some of that lost margin. And I think it's during this, uh, you know, the first week or so of December, when they'll have that formula cattle to draw on, that they won't have to pay up or won't have to bid uh, out in the country to get their inventory. So this week's slaughter looks to be real strong, around 660,000 head. And anytime we get into that range, 660, yeah. 670, I consider that to be a real bullish sign. Um, and, and we did see cattle, you know, steady type markets this week. But I'm afraid, you know, maybe next week may be the week where they aren't quite as aggressive on their kills and thus aren't as aggressive out in the feedlots and seeing if they can get some cattle bought at a little bit cheaper money to get these uh, margins back in line. Okay. Um, is I keep, the, you know, nobody's got a better idea of how many cattle are out there in the feedlot than what the Packers do. And I'm I'm just wondering if maybe they aren't willing to take some of the losses right now, put that product, put the beef in, in storage with the idea that, that um, the new beef supply going forward is going to tighten up enough that they could turn $50 a head loss into some, some, uh, uh, in, into some profits, even if, if the beef market, strengthens enough in in the start of the new year it, possible well you know anything's possible um you know i think it's it's more probable than not that we see uh, at least a temporary rise in the cash markets and we and we do see a couple of weeks of weakness we've been on a pretty good roll here for most of the month of november with gains in the cash markets futures following along um, you know, there's there's a tendency here the next two weeks to see softer futures and okay. lower cash, and I, I think it's it's probably more probable we'll see that type of scenario um, where we where the cattle maybe don't get moved or don't get killed quite as aggressively. Margins kind of get back into the favor of the packer, and the, you know the fact that the boxes have held. I mean, they're not they're not moving higher, but they're kind of holding uh, some support. Sure. as well and, and those boxes could find some support and move higher that uh, that heals that packer margin up pretty quickly as well so that that's really kind of what we're we're anticipating is these numbers 
no doubt are going to stay tight. We've driven by a lot of feedlots recently, and, and many of them that are normally full this time of year are, are half half full, half empty, wow. whichever term you want to use. Um, and, and these numbers, I think, are, are just going to stay tight uh, going into the into the spring and into the summer. It is um, concerning that the weights are increasing a little bit. Um, we'd like to see the feedlot stay a little bit more current than that than not adding weight. But um, over the next couple of weeks, we may see this, I, I think, happen where, where the cash markets kind of stall and the futures market take a, bra- a breather letting those boxes catch up and turn back higher. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense to me. Uh, Quick look at the February cattle chart, a little bit of a wedge pattern developing in here. That February contract tried the last three days, Brian, to get through 156, spiked it, couldn't close above it. Makes me, makes me think that, you know, give us one more trade over 156, and the anybody that's long in the market is going to be thinking this is a pretty good time to step out of here. Yeah, I, I kind of think that is a possibility too. You know, we you know we're getting up into some pretty lofty levels as far as uh, the, the front month contract goes, the February and some of these April and Junes. You know, they they're just near these contract highs, and it's coming at a time where uh, we're getting into the you know the holiday type season. I think. Yep. You know, we could see a little bit softening of some of the demand indicators out there uh, before we get into the new years and into the 2023. And we'll probably take a, a run, I would suspect, you know, maybe a pullback first, but at least a run higher uh, as we go into January, February. Okay. All right. Let's talk about the hog market here. February lean hogs on Monday just scared the crap out of me. Made me think that this thing is going to open up all kinds of downside risk. Had one more lower close. We we had a gap lower open on Wednesday, and that lower trade was just absolutely rejected. Brian, what happened in the market second half of the week to get all those losses back? Yeah, you know this hog market. I think is is traded more technically uh, yep. than any fundamentals that we could we could discuss. Why you know is the cash market moving higher? Slaughter pace, anything like that? It's more focused on technicals. The gap lower that you mentioned um, on Wednesday morning pretty much was the low for the entire week. And then yep. there's some buying interest came in too. It seems like the market just ran out of sellers on that gap lower opening. Then the buying started to step in. And as we filled the gap and started to rally, taking out the previous day's highs, we continued to fill buy stop type orders till we had an outside day charted, outside higher day charted on Wednesday. And uh, on Thursday's trade, we took out Wednesday's highs and, and off to the races we went. And from there, it was just uh, uh, a lot of shorts that had entered the marketplace, buying back those short positions and scrambling and, and covering and getting back either to a flat position or to a long side of the, of the ledger. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you, with you when you say that the hog market is about as maybe the most technically driven market that we're dealing with right now, chart based market that we're dealing with. And with that in mind, here we are back up over 90 cents in the, in the February contract, it, there's some awfully tough overhead resistance not that far away in this market now. Yeah, I, you know, I look at like a continuation chart. You're starting to look at, you know, 92 and a half, maybe $93 as your resistance point on the, on the charts there. And if you could clear above that, 
there's like almost like a double topper just above 95 that uh, you would be looking at as major resistance as well. So can we get above there? Well, it, it probably do, depends on technicals as much as anything. I, I mentioned you really can't look at the cash markets and, and determine the direction for this. You know, the, the lean hog index is, is a reflection of the cash markets. It's trading around 84 cents. So we're already a $6 premium above it. Um, that that index is not necessarily moving sharply higher. So I think we're, uh, you know, kind of stretching out to the downside early part of this week. We, this rally may stretch us out back to the upside, back into that 92 to 95 range like we were talking. And before we run into some resistance and kind of determine that maybe we are too too bullish or too optimistic compared to where the, the cash index is. Yeah. You know, and, and the futures market will make – a move in three days, you know, three days to this week, $6.70 rally from Wednesday's open. Uh, oh, jeez. That that much of a move in three days is in probably in anticipation that that cash index is going to firm up in the days, weeks ahead on a seasonal low. But they built it all in in three days where it's going to take the cash market 30 days to do it. It's it's a strange, strange market. Brian Hoops, Midwest Market Solutions, is our guest today. He'll be right back with us on AgriTalk. It's time for news of note from Pro Pharma. Pro Farmer, geez. China gives a major signal it may adjust its stringent zero COVID policy. The top official in charge of China's COVID response told health officials the country faced a new stage and mission in the pandemic controls. World food prices ease for the eighth straight month. The UN Food and Ag Organization, or FAO, said global food price index ticked down 0.2 points in November, the eighth straight monthly decline. The FAO also cut the global cereal grain production forecast. As we talked about earlier, the Senate passed legislation to avert the rail strike. Mexico and U.S. trade officials have discussed the corn exports and events policy. That is Pro Farmers News of Note. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. 
Glad that you are with us for our conversation with Brian Hoops from Midwest Market Solutions. Before we get back to that conversation with Brian, I'm going to go ahead and recap where the markets close today. March HRW wheat features 19 and a half cents lower at 870 and three quarters. March SRW wheat dropped 22 cents to 761. March corn futures 14 and a quarter cents lower at 646 and a quarter. July corn futures closed at 644 and a quarter, down nine and three quarter cents. January soybeans eight and three quarter cents higher at 14.38 and a half. July soybeans closed at 14.58 and a half, up a dime on the day. March cotton was 165 points lower at 83.20. February live cattle 45 cents higher at 155.87 and a half. January feeders 137 and a half higher at 182.45. And February hogs, buck 22 and a half higher at 90.42 and a half. All right, Brian Hoops, Midwest Market Solutions is our guest analyst today. Uh, got a message during the break there, Brian. They want to know if you feel any urgency to get some risk management on in cattle and hogs. Well, you know, in the cattle market, the the strategy I think you want to employ in uh, in this year is is doing some put options, if anything. And if you want to cheapen those puts, selling uh, out of the money, at least ten dollars out of the money type calls, uh, and building yourself kind of a, a window or a fence there. Uh, you know, the upside is probably going to be somewhat limited by the economy and, and the high consumer bills we're hearing a lot of talk about a lot of high credit cards high fuel costs uh, to eat homes for the, for through the winter uh that sort of thing it's probably going to keep a lid on the consumer spending and that should you know allow you to have some upside potential like i said a ten dollar window but at least get some put options in place uh, to protect that downside i, I don't think you're going to see a lot of downside risk but you, you know you never know there's always that black swan event that can wreck any type of a, a bull market that we don't see coming and, and for that reason alone i would want to get some some sort of protection in place yeah good good okay uh, the the economy. Uh, we've we've got the Fed uh, open market committee meeting coming up the twelfth and thirteenth, thirteenth and fourteenth, something like that, middle of the month. Uh, the expectations after the jobs data that was out today was that okay, you know, interest rates are still going up, but a half point may be in play, three quarters point is is still in play as well. Uh, when when you see what's happening with the economy and the impact on the dollar, what kind of an impact does that have on the ag markets? Yeah, you know, there's some talk, maybe they won't have to start, you know, keep raising interest rates because inflation's coming down. But, you know, we've had what a a drop from 9.1 to 7.7% inflation, but we've had to have six interest rate hikes to get to that, uh, that small drop in inflation. And if they're still shooting for 2% inflation, how many more interest rates is it, is it going to take? You know, it's 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 going to be a while before we get to that level. Um, you know, so it's good that we've seen some things come down. Um, energy prices would be a, the key component, I think, yeah. to bring down that inflation numbers. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely has been affecting the dollar. 
and we've seen um, a big drop in the dollar recently. Um, yeah. When we're talking, I guess recently, since we kind of made a double top back in October, um, we've, we've really dropped the dollar from that 112, 13 area down to 104. And it's had very little impact on grains. You would think that if we've had that type of a nine or $10 yeah. break in the US dollar, we yeah. would start to stimulate some demand for US grain products. We've seen gold and silver take off and rally to new highs. But corn, soybeans, wheat, all struggling, especially the wheat market hitting multi-month lows. Uh, export sales this week were a marketing year low for wheat. We are, are really struggling to find a price lower that is stimulating demand for corn and for wheat. Now, soybeans, we've seen a little bit better uh, demand trends there. Uh, but I think that's going to be a short-lived situation for the soybean market in, in the form of you know the next four to five weeks before demand really shifts away from the U.S. and into South American products. Okay, okay. Uh, demand for corn. Michelle and I talked about it a little bit at the start of the show, uh, and uh, it, it it's such a strange market when you look at how the cash market is trading in relation to the futures market you you've got some interesting observations on this brian let's get into that yeah i, I emailed you this earlier that you mm -hmm. know this is something in 25 years I, I don't know that i ever remember seeing before um you're you're starting to build a carry in the market when we talk about that we mean like you look at december corn is 635 march is now 646 so there's 11 cent carry that the market is paying a farmer to store their, their crop um and then you, you look out to to may if maybe it's another penny um and and that has really developed over the last month or so uh that carry has started to build since at least harvest time we started to see that carry build but there's also the the thing that I haven't seen at this at the same time. We're seeing cash bids, the basis levels really rocket higher here in the fall months, and, and that's not unexpected. But the fact that the futures market is telling us prices will be higher Store. into the spring, the cash markets are telling us that's not the case. The cash markets are the highest right now. And for example, um, ADM plant in uh, in Columbus, Nebraska has corn six eighty four for cash, but only six sixty eight out there to January and to March. So there's a big swing in, in prices, and I think a lot of that has to do with the the smaller crop in the Western Belt. We expected basis levels would be tight, but really didn't have that expectation that even though the futures market is telling you not to deliver your corn now, the, the, the cash markets are saying to go ahead and, and sell your product now. And you know, really from a from a producer standpoint, you, you're you're getting paid on the cash markets. It's time to let this product go if you haven't already, and then switch okay. to some sort of reownership strategy out there, whether it's futures or options. Okay. All right. You you went to exactly where I was going to go next, and that is what do we do with these mixed signals that we've got? So if you're talking about some sort of a reownership strategy, are you looking at the call options? Uh, what, what What's the plan? Yeah. So let, let's assume, you, you know, you're getting 
you know, six dollars, six and a half dollars for your your cash. It really depends on your basis. You know, if you want to deliver corn down here uh, in in Springfield, where I'm at, and uh, you can get eight twenty one for your cash. The last I saw today was uh, a, a bid. So there's some really strong cash markets. But you want to you know shoot for you know seven to ten percent of your cash value as investment back in that reownership. So if you're, you know, if you're okay. selling for six, uh, six and a half to dollars cash, 640 cash, somewhere in that range, you know, 640 call options are 43 cents. Um, that's about, that's about 7% or so of the cash value that you're selling. And that's, that's where you would want to shoot for on a reownership strategy is spending in that seven to 10% of the value of whatever you're getting for your cash markets. Brian, that's such a practical way of looking at it. Um, you know, d- taking that cash value and reinvesting in, in uh, maintaining some some upside potential on price. It, it honestly, honestly, when I was uh, the the senior analyst at Pro Farmer and and uh, calling the shots on on risk management at that time, if I could get something like that done for five percent of value, that was almost a no brainer. You, you you almost had to do that to get rid of the risk that you were looking at the physical risk that you were looking at in the cash market. So it, it, that is, I like that. I like that a lot. That is such a practical way of going about it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a, it's a good way to look at it with, you know, with my background, that's how, how I guess I look at things. And I, and you look at the soybean market the same way. Um, you know, there's a lot of $15 January bids out there for the cash markets for soybeans. But if you go out a couple more months into to March, you're looking at less than less than 15, probably around the 1480 mark. So, you know, there's there's a 20 cent difference uh, if you're selling cash now or at least right around the first of the year. And, you know, with um, I, I'd be very concerned that if Brazil harvests 150 million metric ton crop, prices are not going to be where they're at today. We're not going to be where they're at come uh, January, March timeframe. You know, they're, they're going to undercut our prices probably one to $2 and take a lot of our export business away. Um, so if you do sell the cash now, turn that into some, some cash ownership strategies as well. Just do the math on, on selling $15 beans. You know, you could spend well over a dollar on a call option, still be within that seven to yep. 10 percent of, yep. of what you're selling your cash values for you, you know the other thing that, that that's at play in all of this brian i think i think anyway and i'm going to go back to the corn on on this uh because of the strong basis for immediate delivery on that corn there's just not a lot of farmer movement out there right now farmers aren't aren't moving a lot but once it once the bin doors do open and some of that cash starts to move a little more freely those that basis could I think the futures market is telling us that that basis level is going to deteriorate pretty quickly. I think that's what the futures is telling us as well. Um, yeah. So I think you want to get ahead of that. I'm not sure yeah. what is going to force the farmer to make that cash sale, whether it's tax reasons after the first of the year. I've had a farmer tell me he's he's going to store beans for two to three years until they hit twenty dollars if he has to. So I'm I'm not sure what that point is. That it's going to that it's going to take to to get some product to be moved, but I, I don't think you know as prices pull back like they have this week, especially uh, corn today, soybeans yesterday. That's not going to stimulate a lot of uh, a lot of farmer movement they, at no, the at these price right. levels. Well, Brian, here's to 
being able to delay revenue for two years. I hope I'm in that some <laughs> that kind of financial position at some point in my life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, I love it. Brian, it is always good to talk with you. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. Lot, we'll Jeff. talk to you again you soon, man. All right. Sounds Brian good, Hoops, Midwest Market Solutions. I'll be back to wrap up this week's AgriTalk in a moment. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Seems like an appropriate bump to end the week on right there. A little bit of a crazy mashup. Welcome back. I'm Chip. Got Michelle Rook with me as well. Michelle, when I look back at this week, there's a couple of things that happened that uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to look back at it in a few months, a few weeks, a few months, and really start to figure out what, what it really means. Number one thing is the rail strike got side railed. Uh, that was a very important happening this week, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That would have been... Like I said, pardon the pun, a train wreck if that would have happened. Um, I'm glad Congress got ahead of it before we already started to see things shut down. Or even if we'd have had to have a strike for one or two days, yes. it would have been just devastating. Especially when you have crisis mode in the trucking sector and in the barge sector right now as yes. well. Yeah. You know, and, and you're exactly right on the timing of it, getting out in front of it. Because if they would have waited until next week to to try to push through some legislation to stop a strike that could have started as early as Friday of next week, the disruption would have already taken place. I, I think if there was much disruption in the, in the ethanol business in particular, I think it was pretty limited. I, I think this last week. So that's good news. Yeah, good probably. News. I mean, you did see production down about 23,000 barrels for the week. And I think yeah. that was an anticipation of that. And um, stocks yep. were up. So yeah, sometimes that's yep. an indication that, you know, they're not moving product because they can't. So right, right. Uh, the other thing is the RVOs from the renewable volume obligations or the blending mandates from EPA that we got 
the bio-based diesel supporters did not like the blending obligations. We're going to have a conversation with Kurt uh, Kovorik from um, uh, Clean Fuels Alliance. I always have a hard time with Clean Fuels Alliance since it was National Biodiesel Board before that. But from Clean Fuels Alliance on Monday morning about it. And we'll get we'll get to the bottom line with Kurt on on why they why they and the American Soybean Association are as down on the RVOs for the bio-based diesel as they are. So should be an interesting conversation with Kurt. Yeah. I talked to them this morning for Ag Day TV, and yeah. they say that EPA provided growth of about 60 million gallons for each of the years, 23 to 25, but they were anticipating at least 500 million gallons each year. That's what the Department of Energy, the EIA, had projected as well. And so that's why they're disappointed. Right. You know, and when when it comes to the push for renewable diesel and for sustainable aviation fuel, I'm going to contend that we're not seeing refiners invest in in the renewable diesel refining business and in the crush business because of because of the rent that they're going to get for that, the renewable identification number that they're going to get for it. I mean, I don't see airlines investing in the infrastructure to bring in sustainable aviation fuel so that they can generate, so that they can use a, a biofuel and generate a rent. But, but uh, Paul Winters there at the at, at Clean Fuels, I threw that that question comment out to him this morning as well. So we've both bugged him today. Yeah. Uh, and, he, you know, he he said, listen, it may be a, a relatively small component, but the value of that RIN is plugged into their long-term uh, uh, projections, their long-term financials. So while it might seem silly on, on one gallon, it might not be silly on... 30 billion gallons. Yeah, there wow. is some incentive there. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Um, yeah. But the marketplace incentive is greater, and that's why the petroleum industry has led this instead of being drug along or we're have not having to fight them on this one. They're taking right. the lead. They're right. finally coming to the biodiesel industry and saying, hey, we want to partner with you. After 20 years, um, they are... <laughs> You know, the biodiesel people, renewable diesel people, they're in the driver's seat for a change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. What are you looking forward to next week? Uh, hopefully a little less volatility in the markets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm going to be watching to see what we get for follow through. You know, we talked about these major support areas being taken out in corn and wheat and we know the funds have already liquidated a lot of their corn position anyways. And so this is the week where, I don't know, I started to get a little bit fearful about producers that haven't done risk protection right. and are holding cash. And um, I know there's a disconnect between the cash market and the futures market. That's been you know, pretty common here the last couple of years. I just be, I'm fearful. I don't want anybody to become too complacent. Right. That's all. Right, exactly. Sunday nights opens, Michelle, are they, they're some of the most important opens of the year 
because of where we are in relation to those long-term support levels in wheat and in corn. Absolutely. I mean, we could bust those support levels wide open, and if we yeah. do, it, it you you you've got to go to the continuation charts to find where the next levels of support come in. So, really, really critical numbers. You know, one thing that I was thinking about as as Brian and I were talking about uh, where we are in corn with the March contract under six fifty for the first time since August twenty third. Uh, crop tour started on august 22nd and yeah. we got that we got that gap up on the 23rd and that is now the the next level of support or the critical level of support in that march corn contract really something really something hey thanks again michelle yeah. appreciate you all right that's michelle rook she uh, hopefully will be stopping by from time to time for more conversations davis will be back with us on monday Of course, on Monday morning, we're going to have a conversation with Machinery Pete. You know that there's going to be some more record prices in a high-volume week of machinery auctions to talk about. Uh, Kurt Kvorik from the Clean Fuels Alliance. And on Monday afternoon, we're talking cotton. Darren Hudson from Texas Tech.